G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I nursed in the outback in Burke and during the floods in 1990, the matron of the hospital asked me to go and work in a remote community called Angonia. And we had a clinic there, but she thought it'd get cut off by the floodwaters and, and she'd asked all the other RNs and they'd all said no. And she asked me and I said, well, can I take my dog? <laughs> and she said, you can take whatever you like, but just will you go up there for three weeks? And I said, sure. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when Lisa Mellor reflects back over her life, she usually marks the different phases by what motorcycle she was riding at the time. You see, riding a motorcycle has played a central part in the many twists and turns in her life journey. And she even became the first female national coordinator of Australia's Christian Motorcyclists Association. So how did the road of her life take her from the remote outback of Australia to places like Nigeria and Thailand? We'll find out today as Lisa shares her adventurous story. Lisa sat down and had a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Lisa Mellor, welcome to the program. G'day, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you with us. And I am so excited to hear all these many adventures you had. And your nickname was Gypsy, is that, or is Gypsy, is that right? Yeah, in some of the bike scene it is, just because I, um, I've i travelled so much. I've been a single person and I've, uh, up till recently, and I've travelled all over this Australia and all over the world, yeah. And also, as we just heard in the introduction, you were the first female coordinator of Australia's Christian Motorcyclists Association. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a story in itself. But yeah, I was the only only female leader in the world too, which caused... In a, the whole world? Yeah, of that association. So it was, um, yeah, it caused a bit of a stir in some ways when I went to my first international leaders meeting. Well, let's just be frank about it. You're a bit of a tomboy, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up being a tomboy. And has there been some challenges with that over the course of your life? Oh, yeah, there always, there always is in... Becoming a Christian and mm-hmm. then and struggling with that, you know, am I am I feminine enough? Am I mm. am I, you know, the right sort of Christian? You know, you, especially through your teenage years, you just struggle with your identity, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's all part of it. But as we're going to hear, the Lord has used you in many wonderful ways. Yeah, you've you learn that your uniqueness is from God, and that's. Amen. Who you are, he made you. So, amen. He's used me in very different situations that a lot of women wouldn't be in. And your unique skills as somebody proficient at riding a motorcycle have come in handy over the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll hear about that as well. So, so excited to hear about all the many twists and turns and adventures you've been on. But let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born and raised? I was actually born in Sydney, in Parramatta. Mm-hmm. But in those days, that was very much the edge of Sydney, not mm-hmm. the centre as it is now. But at four years of age, we moved to the country. My dad um, was a bank manager and we moved every few years. So we were in country towns for quite a while. Did you enjoy your home life? Yes, I definitely did. And I definitely enjoyed the country um, and didn't want to come back to the city. I loved I loved the country towns. But it was, was difficult for our family because the three older, my three older siblings had to go away to boarding school. And that was pretty tough on them mm-hmm. and pretty tough on my parents financially. 
So you eventually came back to the city? Yes, yeah. And you eventually became a Christian? Yeah, one of the consequences of um, coming back to the city was my dad could no longer get school holidays. And Mm. so God's hand was in it, obviously. Somebody, when mum was a nurse and somebody at the hospital handed her a brochure on Camp Howard, um, Anglican youth camps, and um, I went with a friend off to an adventurous camp that had abseiling and canoeing. Oh, yeah. The things that, you know, drew me in. and but yeah, as a tomboy, that sounds right ab- up your alley. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I went with a friend from school and a wonderful evangelist um, was there and spoke to us and I just gave my heart to the Lord and didn't really know the consequences, I guess, but just mm-hmm. knew that I'd made that step and went back and told my Sunday school teacher and then things went from there. Then what happened next? Oh, I was in a very good youth group. Uh, through those uh, teenage years that uh, it was during the 70s, the charismatic revival, Mm -hmm. and it was a very on-fire youth group. And that, uh, I don't know, it just cemented my love of God and I had a passion. I felt like that I wanted to do overseas mission work. So way back then? Yeah. The seed was planted in your heart to be a missionary. Yes, it just, uh, well, I guess it it had more appeal because it was more adventurous. Which is right up your alley as far as what you're interested yeah, in. Yeah. Adventurous. I think that's what it was. I think it was the mm-hmm. adventure that drew me. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, it's all sounding very good. I mean, yeah. become a Christian, you're doing what you want, your heart's desire is to travel, be a missionary. Yes. But then what happened? I think that part of the issue for those, those years and for a lot of people was that there was a lot of really strong um, feeling and emotion in that charismatic movement. Mm. But unlike now, there wasn't the grounding in the word so much mm. and, and you, your faith needs to be based on the, you know, grounded in the word yeah. Or, yeah. or you just got no, no stability. You're, yeah, not, on, the, you're the, not on the rock. Right. So when the storms of life come, emotions can only take you so yes. far, especially when the emotions have gone away. Yes. So when I um, was away from that group and went off to uni and everything, that sort of all fell away and mm-hmm. I... I started to question even if there was a God. I looked at other religions. I looked at, mm. um, you know, I just played sport. I loved mm. playing sport, got into the state soccer team. It was, you know, that was my passions. I just threw myself into all mm. that sort of stuff and even into got as far as going into dabbling in the occult, which was pretty scary. Yes, tell us that story. Oh, well, just somebody said for a bit of fun, let's go down to one of the other residential colleges and went down and we were... A couple of girls and we were hanging out with some boys and they got out a Ouija board and we all put our fingers on the glass, you know, the the story and the and the, the glass is going round and they ask who who is it and it spells out a name. Well, it spelled out, went to the number 10 and everybody's going, oh, that's nothing. And then it went to Boom. And I'd been reading a book by Corrie Ten Boom, of course, and, oh. I, and I knew I hadn't pushed the glass. Yeah. So... I was very freaked out by that because I knew none of them were Christians or had any connection, knew nothing about Corrie Ten Boom. And I knew, of course, it wasn't Corrie Ten Boom, but I yeah. thought this is some, you know, just cemented the fact that the spiritual world is so real. And yeah. I just, I ran away from that. Like, yeah. So that jolted you? Oh, absolutely. So you knew there was something supernatural going on, but not a good supernatural from yeah, God, but for sure. a dark supernatural. Sort of, Sort of, I don't know whether it cemented in my brain, but I, I knew that I'd gone a long way from God. Hmm. Okay. Then also, at the same time in your life, 
Speaking of your passions, your first motorcycle. It's yeah. where it all started. Yeah, I got a, a little trial bike, an XL185, mm-hmm. um, as a cheap means of transport because I didn't have a car and uh, I could get it cheaply. Mm-hmm. Um, in those days, of course, the usual the usual thing was to get your, your licence, you went to the local cop shop. I borrowed my friend's 50cc, rode it around the block, was given my licence, went to Sydney, bought my bike and rode it the 600Ks back to, to Armidale. So this was more than just a means of transportation. This started a lifelong love for the motorcycle. Yeah, I did. Like what? What is it about the motorcycle that you love? I don't so know. Much? To start with, it was really just a convenient yeah. thing. But of course, not the average girl in those days went and bought a bike for convenience. But, yeah. But um, yeah, then it be, just became part of who I was, and I couldn't let it go. I just, I just loved it. I just loved the what freedom. Did you, oh, I was going to ask you, what did you love so much about it? The freedom. Yeah, just the freedom and the other oh, challenge. I don't mm-hmm. know all the things that. Part of adventure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how the love affair with the motorcycle began. Then what happened next in your life? Well, funnily enough, I'd gone to uni to be a teacher, but I did one practice and decided there's no way I could do it. (laughs) No, it wasn't for you? No, it wasn't for me. And uh, I loved my uni life in those days. I guess uni, especially everybody at Armidale was away from home. It was Mm -hmm. a very uh, free, fun sort of existence. And then I decided, no, I was going to be a nurse. So I um, went back to Sydney and I started my nursing training mm-hmm. and uh, spent uh, three years doing that. And uh, eventually during that time I I just came back to God. It was just a very simple, nothing dramatic. I just – I went to a barbecue with a friend mm-hmm. and uh, there was a big Anglican church next door and uh, I simply walked out of the barbecue, didn't tell anybody. Is that right? And walked into the church. And what what drew you? I I just I don't know. It mm. was it, oh God, obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, but I just uh, it was time, I think, mm. and I just had had come to the conclusion basically after trying everything that Jesus had to be the right way, the mm. only way. Yeah. And. I just walked out of that barbecue back in, into that church and nobody spoke to me, mm-hmm. but they had – it was very formal. It was like a high church mm-hmm. and they had a, a sort of an altar call, just people filing down and the priest sort of blessing them. Mm-hmm. So it was very out of my realm as far as uh, churches went as mm-hmm. well. But I just went forward. He prayed for me and I walked out and that was it. Mm-hmm. I just recommitted he said, what did you want? And I said, I want to recommit my life. I think he had no idea. He just prayed that, and mm-hmm. I walked out of that church and um, never saw anybody from there again. But that mm-hmm. was the moment I gave my life back, you know, re- recommitted my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that revived an interest in missions for you? Yes. Um, I don't know whether it came immediately, but because I was still, you know, I don't know. Satan had a hold of me in, in mm-hmm. lots of ways because I'd been in such a low place and there are things that had hold of me and I, mm. I struggled. I've struggled on and off with that all, all, mm. you know, all through that period and eventually I, I got myself back on track, I guess, or God got me back on track. Yeah. 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 You're listening to The Story. 
Our guest today is Lisa Mellor, who, as we're hearing, has had a lifelong love for riding motorcycles. We'll find out where the road of life takes her as we hear more of her story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Lisa Mellor sharing her life journey. And as we've been hearing, Lisa has a lifelong love for riding motorcycles, a skill that has come in very handy for her at different times in her life. Now, here's more of Lisa sharing where the road of her life has taken her as she continues her chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. And then eventually Bible school? Yeah, well... When I did eventually say, yep, yeah, I do want to – I started going to a church with a, one of the, my nursing friends mm-hmm. and I decided, yeah, the missions thing came back. It really was. I thought, I'm going to be a missionary. Mm. And so I went and spoke to the um, minister of the church and he said, well, you better go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And that's sort of the way I work. I'm not one of these people <laughs> that, that um, deliberates on, you know, if I think, okay, that's what I should do, that's what I should do. So I so just, I said just like that yeah so I said where should I go and he said oh this one and so I rang up and got an uh, an interview with the principal and and uh, started the next year. I was going to ask you while you were there mm. and you had your tomboy like interests. Mm. What did the the leader of the school say to you? Well, interestingly enough, my first year at that Bible college was his first year as principal, and I think I was a bit of a stretch for him. Yeah. In what way? Well, he had girls, but they were all lovely, sweet. Feminine. Feminine girls. Yeah, yeah. And I think he hadn't come across anybody like me, maybe. <laughs> so, so what were you like? What was well, uh, his Well, I rode a motorbike for one thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that would be different. <laughs> and I played soccer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Rough and tumble. Yeah. And I climbed. I climbed up into the second story of people's windows and <laughs> crazy and I start in our duties week we'd have duties week where uh, we'd all do things to keep the uh, the Bible college together physically mm. like yeah. maintenance and stuff and I, you know I'd initiate things like porridge fights with the boys and <laughs> all sorts of things that would uh, not go down so well with the principal and he basically told me to give up motorcycling give up soccer be be more feminine and I sort of looked at him strangely and thought, I can't do that. That's not me. Yeah. Interesting. Somehow he thought that was the best thing for you to do. Yeah. He couldn't be more wrong, it sounds I, like. Well, yeah. He, I mean, it was his, uh, in defense of him, he, he, it was his first year. Yeah. And uh, I think it was probably, I was the first big stretch for him. Yeah. Well, as we learn, God uses all kinds of different people. And so these things, which he thought were negative as we'll hear in your story, turn out to be uniquely advantageous for you and how you helped other people along the way. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. What happened next in your life? Well, being at, being at Bible college was um, life-changing for me. Um, how so? Well, I really didn't have a grasp of the whole Bible, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament, the Old mm-hmm. Testament being such uh, an important part of the New Testament, as mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the, the themes of 
prophet, priest, and king of the pointing to Jesus, everything, mm. all that sort mm. of stuff. I just found it so amazing, not just in my head, but in my heart. I can mm. remember doing a um, an assignment on knowing God by Packer, and uh, crying the whole way through while I'm mm. writing this assignment because it was it was impacting my heart, not just not just my head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was really life-changing for me. It was a very intensive two years for me, but it was um, it was so important. So that grounded you in God's Word, set a good foundation for future ministry work? It was the beginning. Of, mm-hmm. I've discovered that much more recently that I need to be studying it a lot more. But yes, it was it was the beginning of, um, of getting a good grounding in His Word, yeah. And another way to remember this new phase in your life is your second motorcycle? <laughs> Well, it came a little bit later. I, I, I decided I had to get myself grounded a bit more in my nursing as well mm-hmm. if I was going to go back overseas. So I, worked, I nursed in the outback in Burke, mm-hmm. and um, that was pretty exciting. I had some really interesting times there just in the hospital, but also got, got uh, during the floods in 1990, the matron of the hospital asked me to go and work in a remote community called Angonia, which is up near the border. It was a very small town of 120 Mm. people, um, about 100 Kuris, indigenous people, and uh, 20 white people. And we had a clinic there, but she thought it would get cut off by the floodwaters. And Mm. and she'd asked all the other RNs and they'd all said no because they had husbands or families or something. And, And she asked me and I said, well, can I take my dog? <laughs> and she said, you can take whatever you like, but just will you go up there for three weeks? And I said, sure. So I had a really interesting time up there mm-hmm. and um, treating the local people, making up a potion of stuff for the to stop them getting bitten because there was lots of mm. mosquitoes around. And then the army chopper was based there and there was somebody sick on a, a shearing team. Mm. And so he flew me out to one of these, a very remote uh, station hmm. on this chopper and it was so exciting to be up, you know, up there flying over the floodwaters, yeah, yeah. getting out there to treat this this woman that was sick on this shearing team and then being flown back again. So I had lots of interesting experiences there. Yeah, so that kind of began your adventurous nursing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, based on your personality type of being more on the tough side, tomboy, hmm. That that uniquely qualified you for well, you had to be tough to do this kind of work in this I remote so. area. I, I guess think? I just saw it as an adventure. But yeah, yeah. It, but I yeah, and I don't know that. And this is the same with all my nursing. I guess in those remote areas, I never felt like I was necessarily a super confident nurse. But I've depended on God so mm. many times yeah. for for getting me through those mm. situations. And then your yeah. second motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was a Guzzi V35, which was... I have no idea what that is, but well, uh, motorcycle people if, will if, know if, what you're talking about. If you're about. Italian, you'd say <laughs> Moto Guzzi. It's, a, it's, a, it's an Italian bike, and it's a 350cc bike, mm-hmm. and it was an ex-police bike from WA. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a step up in that it was a road bike, and mm-hmm. it was more comfortable, and I had my dog... Vegemite, who used to sit on the tank and do thousands of kilometres with really? me on that bike, yeah, all never, over all over never Australia. Never falling off or anything. No, no, she was a kelpie. She was very, very attuned to riding on a bike. Your constant companion. Oh, she was. Yeah, that's she, good. Yeah, so, man's best friend, and in this case, woman's woman's well. best friend. Yeah, <laughs> and then eventually you went overseas. Yeah, um, 
well, I got my training and I, I did a bit more intensive stuff in Canberra, and then I did my midwifery because I mm-hmm. thought if I'm going to if I'm going to work overseas mm-hmm. as a nurse, I'm going to come into contact with MIDI and. If, you know, yeah, with, babies have, are going to be born. It's inevitable. Yeah, and I better know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I better go and do my midwifery first. So I did. Very, very practical. Yeah. So I did that first, mm-hmm. and then I applied, and I went with a group called Africa Evangelical Fellowship to mm-hmm. Madagascar, mm-hmm. and uh, because they had a they had a hospital there in a village, a very big village, but a, a mud hut village, but in the north and. Uh, the woman who was the the major, the matron of that hospital, she was a Swiss missionary, and she needed to go home for a furlough. So I went for nine months and uh, took her place. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, while you're here, uh, we want you to get the um, the operating theatre up and running. And I was <laughs> I was like, I'm not an operating theatre nurse. <laughs> I, I've only been in the operating theatre in my training. I have no you know no concept. And then I yeah. I had to calm down and think, oh well. Yeah, what'd you do? I just thought, oh, well, I know aseptic technique. I know how to do that. And I said to the doctors, well, you just have to write down all the instruments because I don't know them. Hmm. And uh, you have to write down all the the suture material for each operation. And they said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So I would train. I trained girls basically off the street from taking a temperature and a pulse and a blood pressure to uh, right through one of them, right through to running the theatre. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I didn't want to be stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the Lord was really stretching you. Oh, absolutely stretching mm. me, yeah. In fact, I said to them when I came, I said, look, I'm a reasonably experienced nurse, but I am not an experienced midwife. Mm. I'm fairly new. And they said, no, no, we, we're not going to do we're not going to do births. Famous last words. <laughs> in my first week, um, in the middle of the night, the doctor, the head doctor, the English uh, missionary doctor wakes us up and says, we've got somebody come in labour. And, and I said, oh, okay. So normally, you know, in those countries, most um, developing countries, people don't come for birth unless there's a problem. Mm. And what they had wanted to do was these young girls were getting pregnant when they weren't fully grown. So they had told them they need to come back for a cesarean. This girl was one of them. Mm. She came back in labour. Oh, wow. So we're in the four-wheel drive, bumping our way across the, the roads to the hospital. Oh, wow. And they're talking in Malagasy. Mm. And then the the doctor says to me, oh, and I said, what? And he says, oh, there's a foot out. And oh. I'm thinking, oh. oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I said, I haven't even seen a breach, let alone delivered one. And a foot, yeah. what we call a footling breach is probably can be the potentially the most dangerous. Mm. So I'm getting a bit nervous about this yeah. and uh, we get to the hospital and one of the local girls is running around. We're trying to set up the theatre to do a caesarean and then um, they call out to me and say, oh, there's a second foot and I just say, thank you, God, because that's the, Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's, I said you can pull the two. Well, if, if only one foot comes and one gets stuck, then the baby oh, right. potentially yeah. s- completely stuck and can die and the mother can die. It's yeah, just yeah. can be a terrible situation in that sort of country. Anyway, um, the baby did start to come and then it got stuck at the head, uh, not not where it's meant to, but a bit, you know with the whole head. And I th- figured maybe she's not fully dilated. And mm. anyway, we d- and the doctor turns to me and says, "So what do we do now?" And I said, 
do, friends to you. Yeah, be, <laughs> because they haven't had this before. It's oh. amazing timing. Yeah. And I said, we pray. Because <laughs> I've never seen it before. I've never. Oh, I'm, I'm wow. just running in my yeah. head, going what I've learned in my head, but never yeah. seen mechanism for breach. Mechanism for breach. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then it came down to a point where I could uh, do a, a maneuver that they, they call a smelly beat maneuver and and lift the baby out. And mm. I just thank God because I knew it was his intervention, not my, mm. not me. Yeah. Yeah. So it all worked out. All right. Worked out. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, thanks, God. <laughs> yeah, amen. That was part one of Eric Scatterbo's chat with Lisa Mellor sharing her life journey. And as we've been hearing, a common thread throughout her life has been her love for riding motorcycles. Next time, we'll even hear how she goes on to become the first female national coordinator of Australia's Christian Motorcyclists Association. I think one thing that I love most about her story is how it shows that God can use a wide variety of unique gifts and skills to do his work. Lisa may have felt a bit awkward in her teenage years about being a tomboy and doing things more commonly associated with men, but God told her, this is exactly how I made you. It reminds me of the many verses in the Bible that talk about all of our unique gifts. It says, We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So it was great to hear how Lisa has been using her unique gifts to do ministry work. Well, next time we'll hear part two of Eric Scatterbo's chat with Lisa Mellor and we'll hear more of the adventures she's gone on serving the Lord in various places around the world. It's all coming up next time. Until then, when we'll hear more of Lisa's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I really had this interesting conversation with God. I said, you know, God, I'm frustrated. You know, I wanted to do mission work. Now what am I meant to do? I haven't got anything to do. And I really felt like I just heard this, well, I guess a voice in my head in a way saying, well, what do you like to do? (laughs) And I'm like, well, biking. (laughs) And And then he said, well. And I'm thinking, so what do I do? Lisa Meller joins us once again to share more of her life journey and how she's been combining her love for riding motorcycles with her love for serving the Lord in various places around the world. Also, we'll hear how she became the National Coordinator of Australia's Christian Motorcyclists Association. It's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily.